Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Heart for Iran's webinar series, where each month we speak with one of our partners who has the same passion and Heart for Iran as we do. Join us with our special guest, Janice Allen, CEO of International Cooperating Ministries, and Nicholas Lombardi, Vice President of International Cooperating Ministries, as we discuss the many dangers of training disciples in Iran. Welcome to the webinar today. My name is David with Heart for Iran. Uh, super excited to be here today and talk about dangerous discipleship in Iran. Um, we've got a great uh, panel of guests to talk about this today. Excited to introduce them to you. Uh, but first, let's get started with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this time to be together. Uh, Lord, we're excited to talk about what's happening, what you're doing in the nation of Iran. And we just ask your blessings on this time and pray that you would be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first of all, just to say, uh, this is Heart for Iran. Uh, this is our webinar live on Facebook. Hello to everybody on Facebook and also joining in the webinar. Be sure to use the chat uh, functions to leave us questions. We're gonna be answering those throughout the time today. Um, talking about dangerous discipleship. So be sure to do that and join us and, and please share this with your friends. If you feel like you got something out of this, we'd love for you to share it and tell others about the good news of what's happening in Iran, what God's doing in Iran, and how uh, lives are being changed every single day. Heart for Iran, again, we're a, a partnership, more than 100 ministries working together and uh, reaching into Iran, doing our best to bring the word of God in there and we're just excited to talk today about dangerous discipleship. To help me with that, we've got, of course, Mike, uh, president of Heart for Iran, is, is with us as always as our co-host. But we also have two amazing uh, partners. We've got Janice and Nicholas from ICM. And we're going to be really happy to introduce them to you in a couple of minutes. But, uh, Mike, why don't we get us started? Talk to us. Why is discipleship dangerous inside of Iran? That's a great question. Well, I want to also say hello to all the viewers and uh, you guys are in for a treat because we're going to talk about what is happening globally and what are some strategic ministries like ICM that is making a huge impact globally and specifically in the country of Iran. So, um, David, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, the, the essence of what we're talking about here is the Great Commission. Can we agree on that? And for the viewers that are watching this program, I just want to read this one more time. Matthew 28 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, ministries like Hearts for Iran and other ministries, we are strategically placing ourselves to bring the gospel to uh, maybe some difficult places like Iran and Middle East. And it's not always easy to minister in those regions. And um, most people uh, may not understand and know that it is not just us uh, going in there. Uh, we are standing on the shoulders of great ministries. One of those great ministries happens to be ICM that are here today. And our goal is not to promote ICM at all. We're trying to uh, take this moment to share with you guys how God is using this ministry strategically, not only globally, but also in Iran. Why Iran now? We're going to be talking about this real fast. There is institutional harassment in Iran, okay? But the survey just, uh, this is against Iranian, Iranian uh, Muslims that become believers. Uh, Open Doors International says that Iran is the ninth most dangerous place to be a follower of Jesus. 
yet their uh, Christianity is thriving and growing in Iran. Wow, how is that happening? Why is that happening? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. A, a recent survey that David came out uh, just this week, uh, it is uh, um, 50,000 Iranians. It's done by a company called uh, uh, Gaman. It's a Netherlands-based research group um, that found roughly 1.5% of Iran's entire population has identified itself as Christian. That stands to roughly uh, a little bit over 1 million. Now, uh, to our viewers, why is that significant? Because all along for Islamic country, we've been saying to our audience, we feel there's more than a million people responding. We are, resp we are uh, uh, you know, handling over six to 700 contacts a day from inside Iran. But now this organization has done a survey. So the question is why, how can Christianity grow and thrive in a persecuted region? And how can, how can Christianity also grow around the globe? And one of those best kept secrets happens to be uh, the, the ministry of ICM. I'd be totally, totally excited and honored to be able to uh, introduce Janice Allen, the CEO of ICM, joined by Nicholas Lombardi, um, uh, who is helping this organization go to new heights and new anointing. Uh, so uh, put your hands together if you can from, uh, from behind your computers and welcome our, our wonderful guest uh, to, to this program. Janice and Nicholas, good to have you guys with us. We're excited to have you with us. Would you just introduce yourself briefly and then David is going to go ahead and, and bring us into uh, the meat of the session. Wonderful. It is so good to, to be with you today and, and share a little bit about not just what ICM is doing, but what God is doing through the strategic alliance that we have with Heart for Iran. But um, to share a little bit about ICM, um, we are the, consider ourselves a global church developer. And I think the idea behind that um, resonates with us because my father was the founder of the ministry and he had done a whole lot of real estate development um, before God called him at the ripe old age of 65 to uh, start becoming involved with missions globally. And my father had understood that when you're doing a real estate development, you know, you partner with whoever you need to partner with, you bring whatever resources are needed to, to uh, be brought to bear to help fulfill that, that uh, function of the development. Well, if we believe that the development of the Big C Church is what God has called us to be about, then we believe in the same way we bring whatever resources are necessary to help grow the church and whatever nation that we're working in. Uh, historically, ICM has been uh, deeply, deeply committed to translating uh, discipleship uh, materials, actually a survey of the entire Bible, and we have been uh, translating that and distributing that for over 30 years now. And we have seen God do extraordinary things. And Nicholas will be sharing a little bit more about some of the, the new things that are going on now. Um, but another piece of what God has specifically called ICM um, to be about over these last, like I said, 30 plus years, is developing a, a very um, strong accountability process for aligning with existing indigenous believers and helping them build actual uh, church buildings and facilities. And we've done that to the tune of over um, 9,000 uh, churches that we have built globally. Um, but when we felt God was, was really calling ICM 
to become much more involved with what God is doing in the Middle East, we knew that the building wasn't going to be um, something that we could easily do there. And so our emphasis has been on strategic partnerships to do distribution of discipleship resources. And that is a lot of the story that I think we'll be sharing about today is what God has done specifically in, in Iran with that. But it's a joy to be here with you all. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Janice, I, I'm really thankful for you to start to share a little bit more about ICM. One of the things, you know, a couple of things. One, I definitely want to have a chance to talk about how we got connected uh, as a ministry. What's the story of that? You know, people watching, they probably don't understand, you know, some of the back way that God works to bring things together for like strategic times and things like that. But we have a pretty interesting story of how we got connected. Do you want to share that? Well, I tell you, I, I know my um, the staff gets tired of me referring to the connect the dots game um, that I did as a, as a child. And, you know, you never know uh, what the image is going to end up looking like. And I feel in ministry so often we're just connecting the dots, you know, and God is creating the Amen. image. Yeah. And um, so many years ago, uh, ICM had a donor who felt God was really uh, calling her to fund the translation of our Bible survey into Farsi. And um, I don't often really try and discourage a donor <laughs> when they want to give funding for us to do something. But, you know, at that point in time, we had no way except on, a, you know, our website to do uh, any distribution of, of the Farsi content. And so I really tried to discourage her, but she was insistent on funding it, which she did. We did the translation and it sat there um, for many years, wow. uh, not being used very much at all. And, um, and that's when I think the ministry began praying for God to show us where he would have us be more um, fruitful and what he was doing in the Middle East. And we began specifically praying uh, for God to open up doors of opportunity. And I think that was when um, Mike had a conversation um, with some of that same family I'm mentioning. And, um, and then they began to make the connection and introduced Heart for Iran to ICM. And, um, you know, the rest is history just in some ways after that connection was made. But when Nicholas was out um, and when the production was being made based on some of the, the content that ICM had, Nicholas, you found out that the gentleman that was part of the production team, it was actually his father who years ago had done the Farsi translation. Uh, I just love it. I love it yeah. when God... Um, is just using different people at different times. And when they each say yes, uh, God can do some pretty extraordinary things. Yeah, that, that is amazing. And, and it is really that happens so much in what we, the type of work we do. Uh, you really do have to trust God that he's going to bring people together at the right time for the right purpose. And then it's all going to work out. And so we're thankful that you stepped out on faith to get this resource translated in Farsi when even when you had no idea what it could be used for at that point. So 
Thank you so much for that. And that's one thing I, I just wanted to mention in our time being together with ICM and with you, Janice, and, and different people on your board, you guys are so passionate for the Great Commission and you're so passionate for ministry. And one of the most energized and really just a hope-filled and um, optimistic ministries that we get to meet with. And I think I shared that with you one time uh, when I was at one of your events. And I just want to talk about that because this comes from the legacy of your father and your personal involvement with the work. But share a little bit more about how do you guys stay so energized for this kind of work, even in, if, when there's discouragements? And how do you, how do you drive uh, a ministry to just keep moving forward in the face of uh, opposition and things like that? Well, the, the simple answer is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, the entire team has such a sense that God is allowing us to be on the, the have front row seats and what God's doing in the world. And, um, you know, I know my, my father who passed away at 98 last fall and was still coming into the office. Um, up until a few weeks before he passed away. And he said, Janice, I wake up every day excited to see what God's going to do today. And I think it really is that, that sense that we have at the ministry that, that God is, is moving in such extraordinary ways. And, you know, we um, just are looking for where the Holy Spirit is working and that old Henry Blackaby thing, look for where God is working and join him in his work. Right. And I believe what God is, is allowing us to do. But then I get energized because of being able to work with the next generations like Nicholas and like some of the team uh, that God has called um, these you know, younger people that are passionate about the gospel, passionate about the Great Commission, and so creative and so innovative. And um, so I get energized by working with them. Um, but no question, God God is at work. I think, you know, one of the things that, that became foundational to ICM really came from the two men that I looked up to so much. My father, uh, who had been a businessman and then... Um, applied a lot of those principles to the ministry, but he said so often, you know, the God's own distribution system is a healthy local church. Mm. Sometimes that will be a church in a building. Sometimes it'll be a church in someone's living room, but that is God's own plan for transforming the world is his people. And when you combine that with what the other gentleman who uh, wrote the Bible survey that we use, Pastor Dick Woodward, um, God used those two men together. But Dick always said, if you get the word of God into the people of God and the people of God into the word of God, miraculous things can happen. Mm. And so those two ideas together drive us, getting people into the word of God and creating healthy um, groups uh, unified, multiplying um, believers. Wow. Well, again, I, I definitely congratulate you guys because you have a super energized base and passion and vision. Everybody that works for you is great. I wanted to ask you one last kind of personal question. This is great. I get to pick your brain here, Janice, but 
were you always interested in, you know, global discipleship and evangelism or what, was there some moment when, you know, this all became really important to you uh, in, in your own life? Well, it's, you know, I grew up um, very much impressed by the uh, churches that I was involved with as a, as a little girl with missions. Our churches spoke about it a lot. Um, and that really became the impetus for my decision to go into nursing which I did as an undergrad and then later as a master's in nursing. And um, so I did that because I wanted to do global missions and I thought being in healthcare would give me a platform to do that. So God was already planting in my heart the seed for missions long before there was an ICM. Wow. And um, so I, I married an ophthalmologist we started doing short-term uh, medical missions trips. And as life would have it, you know, three children later, and um, we never made it to the field for long-term missions. But even early in our marriage, my husband and I would do short-term medical mission trips. And so God was preparing me um, every step of the way for what he would have me do in my life today. And I think that's true of any of us. But, um, and... The year 2005, right after I'd sent my third son to college, um, my ophthalmologist husband passed away from eye cancer. Mm. And so I really spent a, a season exploring what God would have next for me. And um, my father kept suggesting uh, often that I would go full time uh, with the ministry. And I was a reluctant um, I was reluctant to answer because I really wanted to not just respond to my earthly father, but to seek my heavenly father's call on my life. And it became um, very, very clear that God was calling me to a full-time leadership role with ministry, um, which I've been in this role since 2006. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I did not know your background. That's great, but it, it is true. I mean, just like God leads ministries to work together God has led all of us in, in a unique way to kind of get involved in, in the ways that we do. And so it's awesome to hear your background and story. And I just want to challenge, you know, everybody watching on Facebook and our friends in the webinar itself, you know, God has got a call for you as well. And I think everyone on this webinar would testify that, you know, he's got a unique purpose for your life to be involved in some way in what's happening all around the world. So uh, be encouraged with that. So thank you so much, uh, Janice, for sharing that. Nicholas, I definitely want to jump in and get to you. Uh, we've become good friends now over the past few years that ICM and Harfrey Ron have been working together. And it's just a pleasure to uh, get to know you and, and your heart for ministry at home and all around the world. Uh, so, you know, it's a pleasure to work with you. Like I, I mentioned, just another one of the great people working with ICM. But uh, Nicholas, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got involved with ICM, and then we want to get more about the partnership of what ICM and Harfrey Ron are doing together. Sure. Thanks so much. I love partnering with you guys in what we do, and you're absolutely right. I consider you, every, everyone at your organization, way more than just partners, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, on mission together. I don't, I don't know if there's if there's any way people can get any closer to that when, than when you're 
when you're working and doing God's work and kingdom advancement uh, together. So yeah. I, I came to ICM about four years ago, and I'm currently the vice president of discipleship and Middle East and North African strategy. I am uh, a Jersey guy originally, grew up in New Jersey, and my aspirations in my life were to make it to Manhattan and and, and work as hard as possible and, and make as much money as possible. And um, when I was in my 20s, I became the youngest vice president of a company that I worked for, and uh, I was absolutely miserable. And uh, around around that time, God really started working in me, and I didn't grow up as a Christian, and I became a Christian in my 20s and had a really just I consider myself one of the unfortunate, fortunate people. I, I tell everyone that um, was just so, so far from God. And then in an instance uh, became saved and a radical kind of Holy Spirit room clearing moment where I developed a conscience and felt sin for the very first time all in one moment. And I like, I cried for two hours. That's how amazing it was. So I, I know very much what it's like to be somebody who has no relationship with God and then has a very powerful one. And so um, I think all along God was preparing me in, in, in the business world uh, and working in my heart at the same time to move towards missions. Uh, so one day I, I had a chance to kind of break from the company I was with and as a managing partner. And I, I still at that time didn't know anything about missions or, or seminary or anything like that, but I'd heard of actually Liberty University uh, down in Virginia. So I, I actually put my apartment, my fancy apartment near Manhattan on Craigslist and I let people just come take whatever they wanted. And some people gave me cash. Some people just carried stuff away off the street. I turned in my, my fancy, you know, lease that I had uh, for a vehicle and I bought a 98 Passat that didn't run the first day. And I, I put my clothes in the car and I drove down to Lynchburg, Virginia, and I signed up for seminary. And sort of the rest is uh, history from there. I thought I would spend a year learning how to become a real Christian. Uh, instead, I ended up uh, getting my MDiv there, and I met my wife there. And I've never left Virginia since, because um, a after that experience, I, was, I had all this great business background and uh, was looking for a way to, to use what God had prepared in me. And I I, my wife actually kind of stumbled upon ICM and ICM has this incredible, as you just heard Janice talk with these, these wonderful solid business practices and methodologies and strategies that seek the Holy spirit and then incorporate uh, those skills. And that was um, just like an absolutely perfect fit for me. So I've been here for a few years and it's just, it's always felt like it's felt, it, it feels like where I've been meant to be my whole life. Um, wow. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nicholas. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the resources that you guys have and what you're doing around the world for discipleship and the practices that you're using right now. And, and if I may also ask this question as well, as you answer that question, maybe you could unpack for our audience when Janice is talking about God is moving. Uh, what does that mean? Because uh, sometimes we could just be worried, looking at our own environment with coronavirus and everything else, not see what God is doing globally. Can you unpack that for our audience so they have a sense of what God is doing and how you guys are also positioning uh, yourself with that one? Yeah, absolutely. So I have the, the great joy of serving as the leader of our content development team, the team that uh, delivers and deploys that content and training, 
and and then does the follow-up and the training uh, with it. So when I when I hear uh, that question, I think of how God is preparing in people the thirst and the hunger for truth and for relationship with him. That's something that we can't really do, right? We, we believe the Holy Spirit must move. And, and a lot of times we see it happen in a particular people group, in a particular city, in a particular language group. And this hunger arises in people to know truth. Maybe they get a vision. Maybe they, they know the name Jesus and they don't know why. The, the problem occurs is that we, we understand God to deliver more uh, special revelation about himself through the word. And a lot of the partners that we work with around the world don't have access to the word. So when we see God moving, we see that hunger and that desire and that, that the, the, the desire to want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ and not even knowing why. And so what, what ICM has developed is an, is an answer to that kind of second stage where God's moving. We uh, have a curriculum that we've been developing for over 30 years now that does an overview of the whole Bible, and it teaches people a very, very simple hermeneutical bridge. It teaches them and equips them to understand how to read the Bible, obey the Bible, share the Bible, and train other people on the Bible so that they can become just everything that God wants them to be, and so that movements can be nourished and and, and, and move forward. So the curriculum breaks down into about 180 lessons, 90 in the Old Testament, 90 in the New Testament, and each lesson just reinforces all the basics. So the hermeneutic we say is, what does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? It sets out, what's the context? What's the providence? What's the authorship? What's the setting of this particular Bible in very simple audio and video terms? And then uh, how do we extract the universal principle for that? And then how do you uh, apply that to your very own life? It re in the past, all of that was done in audio. And we've got uh, over 65 languages uh, on every continent in development um, using that audio. Recently, we've started uh, moving our curriculum to a brand new, what we think is very unique video medium where we're comparing uh, people, our partners around the world, our partners in all different countries, them speaking to a camera, but then we have a standard animation that, that is incorporated for multicultural audience that uh, sort of acts out what the Bible is teaching so that in cultures where uh, they mostly learn through oral or visual means, the lessons of the Bible and its basic hermeneutic is being reinforced for them visually. So you're talking about life applications. You're actually are teaching people in their own region uh, in an ethnocentric context how to apply the, the truth that you're talking about. You said people are hungry for truth. I'll put that down on the chat part. So you want to make sure people in their own culture, cultural context get that through the resources that you have for them. Exactly. And that is what, uh, David, that is what we found really, really to be strategic when reaching the people of Iran. When we started working with ICM uh, a few years back, we realized that uh, they globally have this plan, but then strategically it's geocentric content as well that is speaking to the people of Iran. So for our audience, um, the partnership that we had, uh, and we still have with ICM, has uh, allowed us to be able to take these um, indigenously based uh, or massage content into Iran, we're seeing results. We're seeing so, such an amazing result in Iran that we, that's why we wanted to bring ICM here and, and have them share with you guys. David, I know that you have some uh, good questions. I'm gonna pass it on to you. Take us through this, brother. No, that's great. And I mean, as Nicholas was sharing that and, and Janice as well, 
you know, it always just comes back to the Word of God. And, and I think one of the things that we see is when you put the Word of God out there, especially in a place like Iran, um, it works. And people have no hope, and they're encouraged to hear this, and it gives them the opportunity uh, to encounter Jesus Christ. So I think for us and our partnership, it was, it was perfect. It goes hand in hand because you know, your resource is really just unpacking the Word of God, and we put it in a context like Iran. Uh, it works. And so people are encouraged. It gives them something to work through where they're learning as they go. Um, I want to ask, though, one more thing. As Mike was saying, just about kind of the worldwide trends, you guys aren't just working in Iran. You're working all over the world. Um, how, tell us a little bit more. How is this being effective in other places? And then we can start jumping into what are the differences between how we are doing this in Iran versus maybe another region that you're working well, now I'll speak to that a little bit, um, even in light of um, the trends we're seeing with the pandemic, um, because we're so focused on um, not only the, the discipleship distribution, which we've talked about, but I feel God had already positioned our ministry um, for what we've seen happen with the pandemic. Uh, everywhere around the world, People are going online just like they are in the United States right. in order to do Bible study, in order to build community, in order to, you know, to worship remotely. And so we have just seen an explosion, truly an explosion in the people that are accessing our content online. And we had already um, been launching social media sites um, in specific languages. Uh, right now, we have our uh, survey of the Bible in uh, 57 languages. And so we started seeing that um, the trend towards social media is everywhere. And as we're trying to um, engage people who are seeking, I think in this global pandemic, people are hungry for what you know what is life purpose how do, how do i live through the crisis that is going on uh in every nation and people are seeking uh truth and i'll just give an example we just a couple months ago launched our uh an arabic facebook site mm -hmm. and uh, Nicholas, last count that I, la I recently heard, we were over 15,000 people already. Um, and in Portuguese, 85,000 people, you know, that are coming to this site. We're just seeing uh, a hunger right now that, that is, I think, a result of people looking for answers in this world today. But, you know, we have uh, generally under construction about 850 um, church projects are under construction all the time globally. And I really had predicted that we were going to see an enormous uh, slowdown in what would be that aspect of the ministry. And what we've seen has almost been the reverse of that. Mm. Because in a lot of these rural, um, poor areas where the church might be the only masonry significant structure in a whole village, it is becoming the place that distributes food. And, you know, particularly countries where people work that day for money that day for food that day wow. and they cannot leave their homes how can they work and the church has become 
um, not only the spiritual salvation, but the physical salvation for a lot of these people that would be starving otherwise. And the churches are becoming the place that's caring for the, the physical medical needs, um, the food needs. Um, it is really becoming what we always hope the church will be, is that, that, that shelter um, and place of refuge for, for people all around the world. Wow. I have a comment to share. One of our uh, wonderful uh, participants, um, uh, viewers, just asked a quick question. Well, what does ICM do? Who is ICM? I just want to share with you guys, with you guys briefly, if you missed the uh, opening part. Um, when people get, they're hungry, they get to know Jesus, they need a place to thrive and grow in their faith. ICM strategically comes next to the indigenous people that have given their heart to Christ, helps them uh, become leaders of their community, uh, become pastors, and helps them build a church. Uh, after a while, the church is turned over. They don't own it. They're not, they're not going in there investing in real estate. They're investing in kingdom, and they have no financial gain in this. That's what ICM does so well around the globe. They're, they're active in Africa, in, in, in Asia, uh, uh, great parts of India, all across Europe, in, in South America. They have a vast network. So they're identifying areas where people are coming to Christ and do not have a place to worship, grow, and have a sense of family. And that's what they provide to the indigenous um, uh, population. And they do that really well, really, really, really well. I've had the pleasure of being able to see how they do this. And it's short of a miracle and God's anointing that an organization can do this. Now, they do way more beyond that. And I, I, Nicholas, if you don't mind, I, this, this is a segue for you um, to tell us about the content that has been used in Iran. Let me ask you this question. Why do you guys even want to be in Iran? Why, why do you guys even want to go into Iran and bring this to Iran? Iran is not an easy place to minister to. Um, uh, so what drives you guys to be in places like Iran and some of the persecuted Muslim world? Uh, and then what in particular are you guys doing in Iran? Yeah, great question. Great question. Well, I, I would say the reason that we want uh, to work in Iran is exactly the conversation that we've been having, the hunger. God is moving there. Report after report after report. People are hungry. People, people need access and they don't have access. People want to learn about truth and they've recognized that what they have is not truth, but they may not have the ability or the access to get to the truth. And that's, that's why we want to be there and why we want to partner with people like Heart for Iran. I, you know, I, I've heard uh, some people say that this pandemic has been the great equalizer and it's, it's really brought out this fact that we've always known is true, that uh, isolation is completely incompatible with Christianity. Uh, it, it, from the, the days of the Israelite people, they, God saved a nation. He nurtured a nation. He claimed a nation for himself, a, a group of people. One of the things that persecution in places like Iran and the pandemic have made us realize globally is that a, there's a significant challenge that exists when the historical kind of Western model of doing church isn't possible. So previously, if we were in Ethiopia, for instance, a place where we work quite a bit, uh, they, have a real, they don't have Bibles, they don't have information, they don't know how to teach the word because they don't have access to that basic hermeneutical bridge to understand the Bible, that correct lens. Well, that's easily solvable in a lot of ways because if you have access to the curriculum, which we have in Amharic, and we have the Bibles, we can bring together a huge group of people, train them, and then they can go train people in groups of hundreds or 200s or 300s in their church, maybe a church 
research building that ICMs help them with. In places like Iran and places being seriously affected by the pandemic, that's not the case. The work becomes so much harder. Now you have to, instead of having to bring everyone together, do groups of 300 that can go lead churches of 300, you have to do it in, in pairs of three or, or, or 30 or, or 10. And, and that's significantly harder because it means that while a pastor may be able to understand, interpret the Bible the way God intended, and then he can preach that word and give access to the word of everyone in the congregation, in places like Iran, that's not really possible. You need to empower 10, 100 times the amount of people who can do that for themselves and then maybe share the word in their own home with three or five people. So in my opinion, what we've seen is the work is just so much more significant and that hunger is there, but the need is even greater to deliver it. You know, the surprising thing is, Nicholas, that's great. You've really unpacked that well. And to me, it is, we think of a traditional, maybe Western model, we'll bring people together. We have big buildings and churches and, and this kind of thing. Um, the cool thing in my mind is we can't do any of that in Iran, yet it's one of the fastest growing churches in the entire world. So it's like the model goes out the window, we give ourselves over to it, and it still works. So uh, what's your thoughts on that? The way I mean, I've been surprised. Have you guys been surprised as you work inside of Iran just to see how God has come behind and supported you in what you're trying to do? At Nicholas, do you want to get? <laughs> yeah, so I'm a big proponent. One of the, one of the things that we pair um, our discipleship curriculum with the actual information about the Bible is with how to use and lead a, a small group environment. Because personally, I believe the model that Jesus gave to us was a small group kind of model, 12 disciples that you pour deeply into those people closest to you. The original first century biblical model of discipleship had this transfer of DNA. It, it was a multiplication DNA because of persecution it's absolutely imperative. You're forced to not just learn the Bible, but learn how to share the Bible. Otherwise, you can't bring the word to your family and friends. In a non-persecution setting in the Western world, I can grab my girlfriend or my wife or, or whomever I want to hear the, the Bible. I can grab their hand and we can get in the car and go to church on Sunday morning. And I can put the onus on the pastor or the preacher to get the word to the people I want it to get to. But in places where persecution exists, you can't do that. So you realize right away, as soon as you're saved, you have this a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit, and you, and you want to share this. You can't bring them necessarily to a pastor on Sunday morning and let them be preached to. You have to learn how to multiply that experience over and over again. And then you have to teach the person after you how to multiply it again. So in a lot of ways, that model is infinitely sustainable. And if that DNA is forced to buy things like persecution to pass on, sometimes you can see what hap what's happening in Iran where a movement starts of people who continue to pass on the gospel. Amen. Go ahead, Janice, I'm sorry. Piggyback a little bit what, what Nicholas is saying uh, and answer your question, David. Yes, we have been blown away, um, frankly blown away at what God has done. And I know it was all that God has allowed ICM to be a part of in Iran is because of the partnership with you guys. I mean, that, that is really what, um, you know, ICM believes so strongly that every single thing we do in any country God calls us to be, to be working in is 
the result of partnering with strong ministries that are present there, are working there, and that we're just able to, you know, kind of piggyback onto that and um, hopefully, you know, bring additional resources to bear. So um, we never imagined, this was not part of our strategic plan, was to be having the impact in Iran, but God knew and God made the connection with you all. Amen. Thank you. The uh, so we've getting a couple of questions from the um, audience, and people are wanting to know, you know, how do they get involved? Uh, how could they volunteer to be a part of this? Uh, I want to get Mike if you could kind of start this off, and then have each of you share a little bit about the model. But you know, partnership, and you guys partner with indigenous groups. We work indigenously, and that kind of thing. Volunteering is not necessarily something we've had a lot of uh, in our in our work, but people can get involved. Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about the partnership and how we encourage people to be a part of what's happening? Absolutely. Um, I believe that God, uh, if, if any of you uh, viewers uh, feel a tug in your heart that you would like to volunteer or support or pray uh, for ICM or for other ministries, uh, that is definitely Holy Spirit. Uh, and that is in accordance to the biblical truth of the Great Commission, which uh, we started with uh, earlier in this webinar. It is our mandate as believers of Christ to go out to the parts of the world and bring the gospel. It is not optional. It is a mandate. The question is, what are we doing? And if you feel that you would like to volunteer, here's a great opportunity for you. Uh, an organization like ICM is not shy about going out there and doing God's work. They're extremely generous. Most, most likely, you may not have heard the name of ICM, but if you take a look closely on the microscope, you could see their footprint for years uh, in, in various regions of the world. That's how they do their best, best, best work. They don't go out there making big fuss about their name. They actually go in there and they do God's work. So if you want to go ahead and volunteer with them, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, and I would just say to you, contact them, get in touch with them. Um, on, on the chat, uh, you could see their, their website yeah, address um, and the, the way to contact them. Um, I do want to say that also um, being volunteer is a, is a great thing, but be patient because uh, organizationally, a lot of things may be changing. One of the things that ICM is going through is, is a season of rebranding. And uh, Janice, as the CEO, uh, whenever we have an organization going through the need to rebrand, the question is risen, why? Why do you want to go ahead and rebrand? And what does that mean? And how are you going through that? And uh, I know that ICM is going through that. So maybe some of these volunteers or other people may hear ICM today or some of your resources, but in a year from now, it may be under a different brand. Can you please take us through um, the urgency that God put on your heart to go through this process of rebrand? Why? What is it going to be? And how can we help and pray for you? Well, and some of our rebrand had to do with just even referencing our, the name of the ministry, ICM. Um, that stood for International Cooperating Ministries, um, but we just felt in the recent years that we needed to um, have the, the idea that we are not just a ministry that builds churches, because particularly as God was calling us into countries where we're not building churches, but God was still using us. And so that's, you know, when we began, um, you know, doing the rebrand that I see in the Global Church Developer. Um, that it is whatever God wants to do in a given country to develop the, the, the big C church. Um, but I'll let Nicholas talk a little bit about the um, rebrand that we are also doing with our discipleship material, 
um, because we, in every instance, want their, the indigenous ministries that we partner with, um, we want them to, we're not a Western ministry trying to impose any of our ideas on them. You know, they, they, I am humbled every time I'm interacting with some of these indigenous partners because they have such a heart for evangelism and such a heart for the Great Commission, and they work under such harsh conditions that I am put to shame. And so how could we ever have the audacity to come in and say, this is how you need to be doing uh, evangelism or something? And so we're just trying to say, how can we support what you are already doing? And so to your earlier point, Mike, ICM's name is not on any church because it is the church and the deed and the land belongs to the indigenous ministry. It is theirs. Um, likewise, with our discipleship material, um, we, for security reasons, but also for a sense of, of ownership, um, allow our partners um, to use names for the discipleship material um, that makes sense within their own country. So, Nicholas, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it, it comes down to access and that the, the places where God's moving, um, people can get a hold of this training and the material as easily as possible and as quickly as possible and delivered in a way that's ideal for them. And so we rely on ministries uh, in the instance of uh, Farsi and for the Persian world, we, we rely on Hartford Iran to help us understand what should we call this? How should we brand it? How should we use colors? What should our social media strategy be? Um, what are the security concerns? Uh, what, what type of vocabulary should we use so that it reaches the right people? We want to give as much ownership to the people on the ground, the, the indigenous movements, so that they can create uh, access and availability the best way possible. I'll never be an expert on how to deliver content and deliver the word to people uh, in Iran. That's that's what we count. That's why we need a partnership with you guys. And and you've been, you know, you're the ones that we rely on to help us with that. And so far, we've just been, you know, overwhelmed with the different uh, methodologies and and expertise you've provided uh, to take these resources to just a, a level I, I never dreamed possible. If I may also uh, touch on this, David, I think it's only fitting to let our audience know about some of the ways that we have tangibly partnered with ICM. Uh, their spirit of generosity is, is next to none. And I just want to share that over and over again. Um, their resources, uh, the Mini Bible College, that's what it used to be called in the, in the early days. Um, uh, it was the resource that we used in our productions uh, called My House, My Church. Uh, we used that for years and we uh, broadcasted that into uh, into Iran over Mahabat TV and other re other channels. So their resources without their name had gone has already gone into Iran into the house church scenery, helping millions of people. Uh, and then they also had resources, other resources that uh, that we we unpacked and we gave to people uh, that um, that came out of Iran were baptized uh, in, in one of the wonderful adventures that we had uh, with the leadership of ICM was we partnered together to bring uh, some Iranians outside of Iran and we had a week of discipleship using their resources. Uh, and then um, we all witnessed the baptism of over 20 people, Iranians, and then they went back into the country with ICM resources. 
to make it go viral. That is a powerful example of of spirit of generosity by an organization that doesn't go about and promote itself to say, hey, did you guys know about that, by the way, our resources got distributed in Iran among millions of people? They've never done that. And their generosity, again, as I said, is next to none. I don't want to go ahead and this is not empty flattery, but this is an example of when you come together, and if you guys are watching this, when you come together in spirit of partnership, and not just necessarily wanting to have the, all the glory for yourself. <laughs> God is glorified. God, God blesses you. That's what we're seeing in Iran first time through hearts for Iran. Um, but we're super excited about it. David, I know that you had some other questions that you wanted to ask in the next uh, 12 minutes that we have left. Back to you, brother. Uh, yeah, there is a question from the audience about the security. So I just want to, Mike, could you just keep going and talk about uh, specifically for Iran, what are the, how do we securely get these resources in? So we have a great partner, they have key resources, translating the language. How do we securely get that into the country? And um, how does that process work? Well, um, I cannot go into details because of security reasons. However, I can share with you that um, the content that um, uh, ICM has provided to our ministry and to others is in the form of digital content. Uh, and, and also uh, it's in the form of print content and, and, and other uh, mediums. So what we do is we, uh, we adapt some into the culture, make it uh, more geocentric um, to, to fit the culture of honor and shame. And that's the beauty of what they have. And um, so we broadcast it on satellite TV. We put it on social media. We put it online. Uh, our call center um, uh, people share those with, peop uh, with, with the people who are calling us for trauma counseling, for other, other ways. And then we also have creative ways of being able to send them uh, as digital resources into the country of Iran. And that's where they really go viral. And that's really where the, uh, the, uh, most of the uh, granule work is done. And it's all Holy Spirit because our networks in the country of Iran are very limited. They're highly persecuted, uh, brothers and sisters. But Holy Spirit, God is way ahead of all of us, and that's the beauty of it. So once we put all these digital content and we enter them into the country of Iran, in the blink of an eye, in a matter of a few weeks, the content is gone, it's gone viral, and it gets absorbed within the society of Iran. And that is why I started with you guys saying that there's over one million people, Iranians, that have told us told uh, these survey people that yes we have become christians but we also feel that underneath all this uh iceberg uh, below the iceberg there's a bigger movement of probably even more people that are secret believers that are not coming out to say who they are that's what's feeding them this content is feeding and thriving the underground church in iran so um persecution is real challenges are real and we typically do not tip the hand, our hand to show ministries like ICM, but we felt that this is a time to take pride in what God is doing. And we wanted to uh, showcase our brothers and sisters at ICM to let you guys know that they have a blessed ministry and they could probably help with your region. If you are uh, involved in any kind of Arab region, uh, India, Asia, uh, South America, other places, contact them. They have vast resources. They're extremely generous. Chances are you'll be able to come up with an anointed project. Back to you. That's a great point. Janice, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you um, and to learn more about ICM? Well, our website is icm.org. Um, so please encourage you to go there and, and get more information. Uh, we have a phone number, 757-827-2000. 
6704. They might be putting that up in the, the chat area as well. Um, and, you know, I'll do the Bob Golf thing. Email me, <laughs> uh, jallen at icm.org. Um, and, you know, I just, I marvel over um, the way that God is moving in the hearts of his people to raise up the church um, for such a time as this. And um, I just, I marvel over the things that God is doing that we could have never strategically planned for. Amen. Amen. Nicholas, what about you? Um, specifically for these resources and some of the other things like that, uh, all around the world, how do people get in touch with you and get access to some of these resources? Yeah, you're, everyone's uh, welcome to email me as well. Uh, you can reach me at the same phone number that Janice just gave. Just ask for me. My email is nlombardi at icm.org. If you go to the uh, ICM page, you can navigate to mbc.icm.org, which is uh, our entire curriculum, all the written supplemental materials, the audio materials, um, the training materials, everything in every language is there. So if it's all free completely, you can download it, you can share it, uh, you can print it, whatever you need, um, share it with anyone who needs it. Uh, you know, I, that, that's what we want to do. I, I heard recently uh, about a, a country that struggles with persecution and we got a story of um, these, these, uh, these local believers who only had like one of our, our special devices that you can plug into cell phones. And if they had gone out of their house during uh, the pandemic, they would immediately be arrested during the day and they would have been caught with this illegal content. And so they told us about how they wait at night until at night and they have a network and um, they go sneak, sneak out at night kind of from house to house to share what's on this little digital device and you know that I, I think everyone who's listening that it, it breaks my heart to think that people have to go through that just to get the word of God so if you have any way that you'd like to help um, those people have more access so they don't have to risk their lives just to uh, share the Bible please reach out we'd love to talk to you amen so Nicholas again that's MBC that was mini Bible college mbc.icm.org yeah. How many languages are available there right now? Full languages, there's 57. And then we have uh, eight more that are underway right now that we have. We have uh, 12 courses to start, and then we have some special courses on things like marriage and family. We have one on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so as they get translated and produced, they just go immediately up uh, to the web so people can start using them. Absolutely. Mike, what, how do people learn more about Harfury Ron and get in touch with you? Yes, we would love to connect with you guys. If you guys are watching this program, uh, um, please do, uh, do go to our website, www.heartforiran. That's number four, heartforiran.com. And, uh, and we would love to be in touch with you guys. Um, uh, when you guys watch this program on the need, uh, it's going to have all our information as well included. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to share with you is uh, we do have channels on Instagram. We, have, we do have a full uh, set of Farsi broadcasts into Iran and diaspora. So if you're interested to share that uh, information with your Farsi speaking um, uh, friends, uh, send them to mohabat.tv, that's M-O-H-A-B-A-T.tv. Uh, or heartforiran.com for the Western audience. So I do want to also share with you guys that a month uh, from today, 
on the 25th of September, we are going to have another webinar and we're going to be talking to our friends based in Europe uh, about Communio Messianica. The collective work of uh, organizations like ICM, Heart for Iran and others is allowing a, a, a huge wave of indigenous people to rise up and, and say, we want to learn more about the truth. And that hunger that we talked about in this program is actually very palpable across the globe. Now, in, in the Middle East and the Muslim countries, a lot of Muslims are becoming Christian because of the persecution and the challenges. Most of these individuals are not connected to the body of Christ in a substantial way that you and I are in the West. So next, um, next month, September 25th, we are going to have Dr. Uh, Yasser Eric. Uh, uh, the chairman of Communi Messianica and our brother uh, Harun Ebrahim, uh, the executive um, uh, director of Al Hayat uh, channel, join us to talk about Communi Messianica where MBBs are belonging to a global church. Um, this is much thanks to organizations like ICM, Janice, your leadership, your father's legacy, uh, Nicholas, your leadership, and the, the vast team of ICM and your partners are responsible. Uh, for all these wonderful season and this next wave that we're seeing there. So we tip our hat and we say thank you for the legacy you're leaving behind. You guys are the good people in the background. Very thankful that you gave us the chance to bring you to the forefront and showcase what God is doing through you guys. Uh, David, back to you. Yeah, absolutely. I, d I definitely want to thank you guys uh, for joining us today. Uh, Janice, Nicholas, it's always great to be with you. Again, I'm so encouraged by the enthusiasm and energy that your ministry has, creativity. Um, we just want to bless you guys and, and be praying for you. And we want to ask everybody watching this, be praying for the ministries that partner with Heart Free Ron. Definitely do not do this on our own. We need people like ICM standing next to us and being with us. Um, and we're excited to be able to work together. Um, also looking forward to, as Mike mentioned, next um, month, the webinar about, um, you know, building a church for MBBs and what does that look like? You know, we just barely scratched the surface in these webinars of what's going on. So definitely reach out to us, reach out to ICM, reach out to Mike or myself uh, through the Heart Free Ron website. If you want to learn more, if you want to know more about this, follow both of us. Um, we are encouraged by what God is doing all around the world. Uh, we're thankful to be a part of it and we want to invite you be a part of it as well. You know, you heard Janice's story today. Be encouraged. God is working and there's a place for you as well. Mike, did you want to close us out? Yes. Janice and uh, Nicholas, how can we and how can our audience pray for you and for ICM? Amen. And that's how we're going to close. Go ahead. I think, you know, one of the things that, that we are praying at the ministry is for a spirit of unity with the body, the body of Christ globally. Um, there is so much work to be done that we can only do it together. And, you know, I think it pleases the heart of God when the body is unified. Uh, so that would be, you know, the, um, one of the prayers, I think another prayer that, you know, the needs are so great that we would have the priority of the Holy Spirit as we decide which things we will be involved with. Um, you always that thing you always heard the the greatest enemy of the you know the best is the good you know and so really trying to say what is God's best for us as we prioritize the things that He's called us to be about those are things we could be praying for. Yeah, Amen. and I would uh, I would just add 
just because David, you mentioned it a couple times. I, I think we do have a special energy and a sense of urgency here about the Great Commission. And I believe personally that is uh, with the struggles that we have today, uh, the pandemic, persecution, governments, etc., it is only sustainable uh, through the prayers of other people and 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 our intercessors here at ICM and and so um, we you know I I would just covet your prayers for our team. They they work so hard and they give so much of themselves, and they can that can only continue um, through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and moved by the prayers of God's people. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you guys again. And to all our audience, thank you for joining in. We're just really pleased to be able to present this to you. Uh, thanks, Janice. Thanks, Nicholas, for coming on. It's always a blessing. Mike, appreciate you as well, my friend. Thank you very much. And I just wanted to let you know, in our audience, somebody says the Voice of the Martyrs Canada will be praying for you, uh, Janice and Nicholas. So. Uh, you already have fans out there that bless you and love you guys. We pray for unity and God's favor over you. Thank you.